0: everybody let's talk real estate your weekly bs with barry saywitz about the current commercial real estate market here in southern california as we take a no bs look at both sides of the issues driving this market today to find the best solutions going forward with our man right in the middle it's barry saywitz hey barry hey good morning paul and good morning to all of our viewers and our listeners out there welcome back if it's tuesday we're talking real estate and it is Tuesday. I am Barry Sawitz, President of the Sawitz Company and Managing Partner of Sawitz Properties. And if there's one thing I've learned in my 30 plus years of doing this, it's to make informed business decisions, try and surround yourself with good people that will help you be smarter than you are on your own and try and take that. uh, Today is no different. We're going to try and give the folks out there some information they can use, and and I'm excited about today's show. I want to welcome our esteemed guest, Kurt Pringle, former mayor of the city of Anaheim, amongst a whole host of other things. Kurt, welcome to the show.
1: Glad to be here, Barry. Yeah,
0: I appreciate you coming on. You have a long history in Orange County as a longtime resident, longtime public servant, and have held a bunch of roles not only within City of Anaheim, but the county and the state as well. I guess I want to start with let's rewind not all the way to the beginning, but I want to go back because you started very young. How did you get into politics in the first place? Like, what was the thing?
1: If you really want to rewind, I I mean, I was elected to the state legislature when I was 29, so that was 34 years ago, so you can do the math. And yes, I've been around a long time, so that's why you can build a whole list of stuff when you're getting old. I was elected to the state legislature in 1988 and served there for eight years and left in 1998. One of those years I was speaker of the assembly the only year in the last 50 some that we had a republican majority in any house in the legislature in uh, California so I was fortunate enough to lead it during that time and then I ran for state treasurer in 1998 when term limits took me out of the legislature so I ran for statewide office and lost. And then took a
0: break, but then kept going with it, right?
1: Yeah, I set up my business in 1999, public relations, government affairs firm in uh, Orange County at that time. So, and I have been running that continually since then.
0: And if we rewind uh, in, in that time frame, 80s, 90s, I mean, Orange County, one of the, I'm going to call it leading bastions of republicanism uh, mm-hmm. in the country, really one of the hardcore centers uh, all the way up until recently. I mean, it still is, but I mean, It's now started to change in the last few years. Um, How was it to deal with that, being the Republican in mostly a Democratic state?
1: It's interesting. I mean, we did have for um, every year I was in the state legislature, a Republican governor. And then Gray Davis was elected in 1998 to governor following Pete Wilson when he served there. And Pete Wilson followed George Duke Majin. So each of those uh, Republican governors had uh, eight years in office. So that was 16 years of Republicans in the executive position of the state when you had predominantly uh, Democrats in the legislative. So, you know, some people look at government and say, yeah, we want our team to win and we want our team to dominate. But if you talk to liberal Democrats when uh, Democrats control everything like they do in California, many of them would say we'd like to see at least some battle back and forth. We don't want one party to be so dominant. And I think the voters see that in many cases. They certainly saw it on a national level where the House went Republican and, and the Senate and the presidency is a Democrat because it does allow a lot more give and take discussion and debate about issues than just, okay, this is the way it is. I mean, you know, when I was Speaker of the Assembly, everything I really would want to pass out of my legislative house happened right you can force it to happen when you are the leader and you have and a yes, majority right. i think it's just good and working with democrat leaders uh, democrat leaders see it's good too when you have that sparring and when the battle goes back and forth the public may not like it why don't you guys all get along and agree on everything you don't want politicians to agree on every everything this is a diverse state with a very diverse perspective it's getting less so maybe, yeah. but the bottom line is, you know, that banter back and forth, that battle back and forth, be it on national or statewide levels, is important.
0: And, and do you still see that going on today with the Democratic Party really having such a uh, strong foothold throughout the yeah. state
1: and with the legislature? You probably don't. You see a lot more inter-party battles as opposed to, you know, clear philosophical battles on critical issues.
0: And what do you attribute the change in the demographic, I guess, composure of the voting base and how people are voting in Orange County, call it 20, 30 years ago, to what's happening today or happened in the last election? I mean, there's a bunch of seats and positions that really are controlled by Democrats now that that really never were.
1: Right. Well, and certainly there's a changing attitude. California is, in my opinion, the most Democrat-centric state in the nation everyone will point to the ethnic changes in this state. Uh, In Orange County it's interesting that the Asian population in most cases votes pretty strong on a right-leaning perspective and the Hispanic population votes pretty strong on a left-leaning perspective. I personally believe all of that matriculation will change and uh, individuals can't be boxed in by their ethnic background as to what their philosophical beliefs will be. So longer people are in this country, they will change somewhat of their perspective. Uh, When people buy businesses and houses, they may change somewhat of that perspective. So, you know, just because people of a certain ethnic community are here in Orange County now a lot more prominently doesn't necessarily mean the philosophy of a Democrat-Liberal philosophy will be maintained forever. I believe there is continual shift going on.
0: But still pretty heavy (laughs) Republican support here relative to most other parts, uh, certainly relative to other parts of the state. Well, right?
1: you know, com- compared to Los Angeles, yes. But that's one of the reasons why Orange County residents voted to decouple from Los Angeles when right. we were a part <laughs> of Los Angeles County, you know, a number of decades ago. So,
0: Yeah. And so if we go back, so you're so you're in the state legislature, then you take a break, and then you decide to run for mayor of
1: Anaheim. Yeah, the mayor of Anaheim is the a mayor of the largest city in the state that's a part-time job. So only, as I've said, put in my 50 hours a week as mayor of Anaheim when I did and got paid $1,200 a month. So that wasn't my full-time job, but I spent a lot of time doing it.
0: Yeah. And during the time that you were mayor, lots of changes in the city, lots of growth, lots of issues, good and bad to deal with as, as the the city continues to evolve
1: yeah and and see i think that's one thing orange countyans want to put their hands over their eyes and assume we're just a little suburb anaheim's a suburb of los angeles or something like that i see it totally differently i mean i i see this as such an urban center and such an economic center of the state in so many ways and just because we may have grown up as a uh a commuter suburb of Los Angeles doesn't necessarily mean that's who we are today. And, I and you know, that was one of the reasons I ran. I mean, I wanted a city I cared about, the 10th largest city in uh, California at the time, and still the 10th largest city in California. Really to understand how important it is to embrace a, you know, big city mentality where you have great opportunity for housing both in a suburban setting and an urban setting yeah. and not exclusively uh, try to cling to the 1950s.
0: Yeah, and I mean, for me, I grew up in San Diego. I went to school in Los Angeles in Orange County. I stopped to use the restroom on the way and check out the Orange groves. That's just certainly not the case anymore. Well, and,
1: we're thankful that Walt Disney did the same thing. So. Right,
0: and, and so the combination of Disney or you now have the Ducks and the Angels and the Platinum Triangle and all of these things that create experiences and reasons for people to come to the city or want to live and, and work in the city, really it is the center of a lot of economic uh, interest in the county and and has grown over time certainly
1: yeah it it really has i mean if you look at the industry of anaheim at this point in time certainly there's industrial and uh, tech industries in the city you know for example when my father-in-law was in the prime of his uh, working life he worked at rockwell And there were over thirty-five, forty thousand 40,000 people working at Rockwell off of La Palma and Tustin Avenue in the city of Anaheim. At that point in time, that was a lot more people working there than at Disneyland. Today, Disneyland is the single largest, single-site employer in the state of California. When you have, you know, 28,000 people working right there at that facility, you know, that's significant. That's important. Different demographic, different needs um, of employment, but... The value to the city of Anaheim and the region of Orange County is so great when you think of a 10 billion plus dollars generated annually from visitors that are just going there. That benefits all of us. Well, combine that with a convention center, right? It's also a big draw. Exactly. And I think, you know, historically people sometimes wonder, you know, when I first ran for office, some of my conservative friends say, you know, the convention center, Anaheim convention center, it doesn't make that much money. Why does the city own it? Why don't they just sell it to a private operator? It would make a lot more money. Once I got into office, I understood really the business model of the city of Anaheim. It's a pretty simple business model, and that is you want people to be in a hotel bed every night. You know, the largest revenue the city of Anaheim gets to operate this government is the bed tax. And when you have a bed tax that's solely focused on tourists coming to Disneyland during spring break or you know, through the summer and into the holiday season. Those hotels can't really survive during that off season. Right. So in fact, that's why Anaheim taxpayers bought land, built a convention center, and now promote that convention center. It, as a physical plant, doesn't generate much revenue. But it it's all the ancillary stuff around it. It ge- generates all of the, that, those attendees, like 100,000 right, right. people coming to the National Association of Music Merchants, the largest convention that's there. Or a few uh, weeks ago, they had natural products, natural products convention, which is nearly eighty thousand people come to Anaheim, the Anaheim Convention Center for that convention, and raise the economy, raise the spend in all of Orange County.
0: And with that, brings the need for other things like housing and like retail and, and other amenities.
1: That is a really good point, Barry. And I, you know, housing should be one of the bigger topics for discussion that we have in Orange County, and. You know being mayor of Anaheim during the time and really saying okay our focus is this economic engine of the Disneyland Resort and the Anaheim Resort area and all those ancillary businesses. Those employees, many of those are service workers that don't make the highest right. dollar right. Uh, of the tech industry or other. they need they a place
0: begin. to live and they can't commute an hour to get to
1: work. And that is the issue and when you look at one-bedroom apartments in the city of Anaheim and the majority of them I believe still house families in one-bedroom apartments, because that is the only thing that's affordable, yet it's not not the most beneficial living condition. And three-bedroom houses in older parts of Anaheim have three families living in that single house. So while I was mayor and continuing now, I'm a big proponent of building additional housing for our entire economic sector to ensure that we have the economic engine we we profess we do
0: yeah and and we own apartment buildings in anaheim near close to disneyland and we have those same issues uh, and then with the overcrowding comes parking yeah. because now you have instead of uh, one or two people in a one-bedroom apartment with one or two cars you have a family with three cars and do that all the way down the street and now where does everything
1: yeah. no now? no you hit it on the head i mean you know, near the intersection of Brookhurst and La Palm is where my sister lives, and her next door neighbor. There's three families there, I'm not begrudging them. That's the place they need to live, and they do. And and at that one house, it was probably built in the early '70s for 3.5 people. Now has 15 people. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, and and you almost have that many cars parked outside.
0: Right. No. And and, and so th- there's a sort of domino effect, I think, with just trying to deal with the dynamic growth within the city or the county or the surroundings. That's just an ongoing issue. And then as the rent goes up, it just makes it more uh, unaffordable <clears throat> so that I have to get a roommate or bring in other folks.
1: I personally wish more people in Orange County and, and more of the media of Orange County would talk about the importance of building housing. I mean... I believe the more affluent communities get, the more nimby they become, and they don't want anyone to live in their backyard. We have ours. We don't want anyone else to be here. This is a very selfish perspective, and I, I think there's a number of city officials and a number of others that today... See, yes, I want to keep this 1950s, 1970s perspective of my community, and uh, it shouldn't change. Yeah, you can't But it does change, and it will change, be it you you are the change agent to make a change for the better, or you're somebody sitting back right. watching it change around you.
0: Yeah, and if you sit back and watch, it'll pass you by. Right. And so with all of that growth around what's going on, I'll shift gears for a second to public safety, because mm-hmm. as the mayor... And as a citizen of the community, I think we're both concerned about it. Most people are. Um, The more people you have, the more people coming in and out of the city, the more risk you have for issues relative to public safety. What was your position when you were the mayor? And what's just your general take in terms of, uh, I mean, we had the, the... Orange County Sheriff on here, and it's obviously top priority, right, uh, Sure. for everybody's sake.
1: Yeah, and, and by, by the way, that's interesting. I mean, there's so many cities in Orange County that are relying upon the sheriff as their law enforcement, localized patrol and public safety. Cities like Anaheim have their own police department, right. and, and there's fewer, fewer and fewer of those, which is kind of interesting, a long dynamic to talk about. But when you do have your own police department, you do have a little more control as elected officials to understand how the policing operations work. And if we are not a safe community, nobody from uh, Topeka, Kansas is going to come here to Disneyland or go to an Angel game if it's not a safe place to be. So it really is a paramount, Focus, And I believe the police department in Anaheim is great, and it has been for a long time. We need to continue to support that for the greater economy of the city and for the benefit of the residents that are here.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, it's public safety, number one, but it's, it's so many other things that feed into the public safety side of things. Right. Irvine. You know safest city or one of the safest cities in the country and so they feed on that and it brings people same thing with anaheim
1: right and and, And, i mean a lot of people feel unsafe for example when they see homeless people sleeping in their parks and along the riverbed and also anaheim stepped up tremendously i think more than any other city in terms of uh, moving forward with emergency uh, shelter beds the salvation army in orange count in anaheim is located off of lewis and catella they have 390 emergency beds where People can immediately be taken if they're on the street. And that's what, you know, much of what Judge Carter had focused on. If you want to enforce those laws and remove people from sleeping in parks and sleeping on the street, you have have to have a place for them to go.
0: So, and one thing that most people don't know about the city of Anaheim, the city of Anaheim has its own uh, utility company, mm-hmm. which is far cheaper than Southern California Edison, the utility provider for the rest of the county. Uh, how did that come about? And then is that really a huge benefit to the city at the end of the day? Or is it really just a benefit to the residents?
1: Benefit to the city, benefit to the residents. Yes, it's a benefit to the residents and also a benefit to the businesses because there's an economic uh, benefit of getting cost. lower cost power for any A power intensive business, Anaheim is the second largest city in the state with its own public utility, LA being the first, Anaheim second, Riverside third. And it it allows a lot of local decisions to be made in terms of the mix of the power that we have. And then how do we provide that cost structure to the residents and the businesses? And we do give a bigger break to business because we understand the economic engine that that business provides. it's not something you can do overnight because um, other cities wanted to say, oh, that's a good model, the public utility model. Anaheim's was established about 150 years ago. And, you know, Anaheim is one of the original investors in the Hoover Dam, for example. I think we own 1% to 2% of all Hoover Dam power coming off of that, which is the cheapest power. You know, that's probably close to $0.02 kilowatt hour coming off of Hoover Dam versus $0.22 on most of our uh, solar panel projects. So... You know, $0.22 a kilowatt hour is a lot greater charge when coal, for example, is about $0.06 a kilowatt hour. So, um, yes, there's, there's other means by which cities can look at power engagement, one of which is we've seen here in the Orange County Power Authority. There's what's called a CCA, community choice aggregation, where cities can be established and kind of step in between Edison and the customer to be the power purchaser truly establishing a public utility where it's there on its own probably won't happen. And Anaheim's benefit yeah, to in having that. For, for example, we put you know money into community benefit like Edison does and others. But the community benefit we seek is undergrounding utilities so we can direct you know which streets we want to beautify and improve and have one time to underground those utilities. And that's why you see a lot of those projects going on in Anaheim.
0: Yeah. No, it is unique and it's certainly a benefit all the way around, I think. Yep. All right, so let's shift gears for a second. I want to get your perspective, uh, because I know you are uh, one of the most well-connected, well-versed uh, individuals relative to the political scene of things. And so I want to fast forward from all the things that you've done in the past. Let's look at today, right? Interesting times, a presidential election coming up, uh, other key elections throughout the county that will be um uh on the ballot at that time what is your take in general of where things are headed and 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 this election and what are some of the key i guess races to watch I everybody watch the president but I mean.
1: yeah everyone watches the president i mean i i focus on the state and local stuff a lot more than what happens in washington so forgive me about that that you know i think we see enough of those issues on tv and people can make up their own mind but i do think it's harder and harder to get information on what's happening locally I mean, during my legislative life, we had two newspapers dominant in Orange County, the L.A. Times and the Orange County Register, Mm. fought fought with each other, and they focused on local news to make sure people had local news, understanding what's happening in cities and on the county. Much of that is gone, where where you really don't have competition from the L.A. Times anymore. And, you know, hard newspapers, the Orange County Register does a good job, but they don't have the resources or the uh, subscribers to be able to do the level of work they did before. And, you know... Things like this and so many other ways that people need to really work to get their news and information. I mean, the County Board of Supervisors has really proven to be a place where county leaders are. I mean, Don Wagner is up for re-election. He's the chair of the Board of Supervisors this year. Uh, I'm certain he'll be re-elected next year. Um, uh, uh, but, But also being in that position on the Board of Supervisors, you're on the Orange County Transportation Authority, and many of the Board of Supervisor members are on the Toll Road Authority. And things like the sanitation district. So your voice is so uh, distributed among so many real powerful places that affect people's lives. And I think at the bottom line, that's why I like local government, because it really does affect everyday people's lives.
0: And I think it's important for people that are voting, first of all, to get out and vote, right? There's my pitch. Get out and vote when right. when the time comes. Right. But. But secondly, to really, instead of voting with a party line or voting based on how somebody looks or or what you heard them say one time, it's really important to understand what they stand for, yeah, right? And and where they think the county is headed and whether they are pro-business if you're a business owner, whether they're pro-renter if you're a renter, or whatever the thing is that you're most concerned about, understand who your candidate is so that you can vote intelligently.
1: Yeah, that's so true. and. You know, I've had a lot of candidates uh, come uh, asking seeking my endorsement and support over the years and I have boiled it down to one question. If you get elected, what are you going to do? I'm a little tired anymore of, you know, folks uh, telling me what they believe in and then they will distribute how that belief uh, they'll make sure their vote follows that belief, regardless how they explain it to you. Uh, if anybody ever questions them on it, my my point is, I want people who get elected to say, "I want to do this. I want to accomplish nice. this." You know, and whatever that agenda is that you have that power, then you take the office and seek to accomplish that. In terms of the level of accomplishments, we tried to focus on in Anaheim. There are some very specific things you won't like them all. Not one person will like every single thing we did in Anaheim during my eight years as mayor, but the purpose was i wanted to have a focus of accomplishment these are things we're going to get done and use the powers of government to get good things done in my opinion and when people run for office they need to think more about you know i'm a good guy or i'm a, a good lady and i'm going to do these things no what are you going to do with the right, power of the franchise right. exactly have a
0: plan no yep. different than running your own business right exactly you need to have a plan how and explain to me how are you going to execute the plan yep So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. Now, you also have taught uh, adjunct both here where we are broadcasting from at UCI, you taught at Chapman as well. And, And so political science, government, I guess one part of the question would be why? And then what did you try and pass along to the students that were in the room in terms of your perspective?
1: Yes, when I left the legislature in nineteen ninety nine I started I taught here for about ten years at UCI and I had two classes: the California legislative process and current public policy issues in california and One of the reasons is again i I want people to be thinking about you know their state and their government and how it affects them, and then hopefully motivating them to get involved i I did have so many great classes here at UCI and I remember one collection of students. During one bar examination period, five of my former students all were taking the bar at the same time. I had nothing to do with them passing, which they all did. But the point of the matter is it is great to teach, and then you see that progress of people as they move into their professional lives. To be honest, I stopped teaching at UCI when I had too many kids in my class that it's hard to teach 100, 120, and they kept letting my classes get bigger and bigger. (laughs) And I didn't have the power to say, stop. So I went to uh, Chapman, and they were gracious in terms of welcoming then me there. And I taught a class called "The Clash of State and Local Government." Really, the perspective I had from the state and from local government, and see where those two governments battle. I know it's kind of sounds like a boring subject. That's but right up your alley. Now. It, Exactly. Well, it's perfect. You're just talking about your life. But not many people took the class, so that's why I stopped teaching
0: that one. So I was just saying, it makes it cozy, right? <laughs> exactly. And also, 1999. I mean, you look at what UCI was then; just yeah. as a campus, half the size probably of what it was or what it is now, and uh, you know, just night and day. Yeah,
1: no question about it. With
0: regards to uh, the students that were in the class being interested, in, were they taking because they were interested in public policy and they want to get into it, or they figured you were an easy A, or are they just like the way you talk?
1: Probably yes to all of D that. All the above. The, so at the beginning, I, I primarily had students that were looking for moving into you know a legal career or just enjoyed political science as their major. As the classes got bigger, a lot of students took my class because I was the only one at UCI who taught a class on state government. So I had a lot of students who were getting education degrees and who later wanted to get a teaching credential, so they had to have that as a prerequisite. So I had a a lot of students that may have been less interested in political science, but more interested in just getting a class class, uh, recorded. So I don't know if I was that easy of an A on those that had less interest, but those People who had interest, it it was good to be able to support that.
0: Yeah, it's good. So we only have a couple of minutes left, but I want to get your perspective on the overall economy, which we could talk all day about, and we have all kinds of things, especially recently with what's gone on the last couple of weeks with the Fed meeting and raising rates and and bank struggles and stock market up and down and all all kinds of, of things that I would just throw in the bucket of Unknown and instability, right? Which I don't particularly like because I like to wake up in the morning and not have big surprises one way or the other. Right. And and I'm okay if the stock market's going down a little bit or up a little bit. But uh, there are a lot of factors going on at the moment that affect business, that affect what will happen just in the overall economy, and then at the same time trickle down. To just the average person uh at the end of the day what is your your take at least where we sit today in terms of going forward for i'll just call it the remainder of the year or the next six months some of the biggest factors to watch is it inflation is it uh supply chain is it banking is it war in ukraine i mean there's so
1: many things maybe they all contribute to the same picture right i mean i i do believe interest rates are such a critical factor, it, you know, sitting and looking at the fact that interest rates have been stable for a long period of time. I, I believe there's kind of this ingrained knowledge that people get What it, that after a certain period of time, after they see it, things happen the same way for a long period of time, they think that's the only way it's going to happen. Right. And a lot of people, you know, new home buyers or others or new, people who just started their business or have a line of credit at their business, they look and say, wow, this is this money is available to me at this lower rate and they never realize like I bought it a house. It could go up. You should yeah. have taken advantage of it. I right? bought a house in 1982, so I understand what the difference of interest rate valuations are over that period of time. But the point of the matter is, a lot of people aren't, right. and you know that is one of the challenges I think startup businesses or new homeowners or construction lo- people dependent upon construction loans are going to be facing, and that's one of my bigger concerns about Orange County.
0: Yeah, and, and I mean, well, one, it's just a high cost of living and a high barrier to entry but the increase in the interest rates people have short-term memory so right. you know it wasn't that long ago where you could get a home loan for 3% or even less right. and now you'd be lucky if you get 6 yeah. and so and who knows where it will go then you wind up sitting on the sidelines thinking I'll wait for it to come down but then you might just be paying more at the end of the day.
1: And, I mean, think about this. I, you know, We do a lot of work in our business with entitlement support, helping developers get approvals for development projects. I don't see a reduction in those developers seeking those approvals, but I do see a reduction or slowing in them building. Right, in pulling you know, the trigger. They're going to go through and get the approvals and sit and wait and see when they want to be in the market. And that means housing in the market is going to uh, start pinching tighter which keeps prices somewhat the same. And then it still is a lag time of a couple of years to build once they're ready to pull right. that trigger. So I do believe there's going to be less housing stock available, new housing stock available in the next couple of years. And with that, you have the uh, interest rate level. It's- so, so it keeps the prices higher because you still
0: have low in- inventory. And then you have higher interest rate, which just makes things cost more at the end of the day. So yeah. the person getting a exactly. mortgage has to write a bigger check right the other thing that i find interesting too is you have cost of construction right i mean really through the
1: roof and you don't see that dropping either i mean i, I certainly don't know it says just... i
0: mean, uh, I'd ordered a new refrigerator and it's been delayed three times because they said they can't find the parts to actually put the thing together yes, yes. and so those are just simple things uh, aside from the uh the fact that you have like fencing or concrete or you know, fertilizer or chlorine for a pool. These things are all up two, three, fourfold. Right. Um, and, exactly. and so I don't see that, that changing either. Right. So, so in terms of the overall economy, do you expect more drama here in the next several months and more fallout or will it calm?
1: Well, I don't necessarily want my wife to be listening in, but I, I do worry in the next six months and, and I do think I, I do believe things do start stabilizing uh, or getting a lot worse. I mean the point of the matter is we'll see in the next few months if the bank threat is real or not real or not and if it is and it, tr- it trickles down into deeper deeper into the community banking market I mean I where a lot of local investment is made and there's a, not necessarily more risk but more personal connection of people who might be able to get those construction loans or or refinance opportunities than if you're only dealing with the big banks so yeah
0: i worry about the small business guy i'm a small business guy right you yeah. have cost of operations up you have uh, rent up you have salaries up you have cost of construction up and then you have lending getting tighter and right. so all of those things just don't help your bottom line as a business right my concern is if businesses do well and businesses grow the workers will do better and and everything would be okay right uh and and the small business guy had such a struggle with covid and then you feel like gee it it finally it even coveted. COVID still around panic of it ended. And then now you're dealing with more stuff.
1: Well, I've talked to a couple of small business people just within the last week or so that they had a line of credit and they don't anymore. Yeah. And you know, that's what their bank can do is pull back those lines Reminds of credit. Reminds me
0: of 2008. Yep. We love you, but right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
1: And and the but is, yeah, I've had three employees move to Texas in the last three years. I, I want to backfill those positions and I have, but the point is I have another person leaving uh, this week and the decision will be, do you backfill that position or wait and see? Yeah. And therefore, you know, it, all of those economic moves that people may see in the national news do tr- uh, trickle down to all of our economic decisions in small business here in Orange County.
0: Yeah, and, and I find, too, that the what you hear in the news or on read on the Internet or whatever you look up, it, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. People believe it, although it may not be completely true.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So, Well, we just got a minute left. So in terms of uh, Kurt Pringle and Associates, how can people reach you if they want your help or just want to find out more about the business? What's the website address? Sure.
1: The website is easy. Uh, kurtpringle.com. My name is spelled with a C in Kurt and no space between Kurt and Pringle. C-U-R-T. That's exactly. It. We're in a public relations, government affairs business and have been doing that for over 20 years now and primarily in Orange County and neighboring counties and have a good team to be able to provide that assist.
0: Yeah. And I appreciate you coming on the show and, and sharing your thoughts. We could go all day and on a variety of different topics, but um, I also want to thank you as, as someone who owns property in Anaheim and, and, and throughout Orange County. Uh, thank you for all you do and have done in the past for the County and the surrounding areas to to make it continue to grow. And I, I feel comfortable and, and hopeful that there's other people that have similar uh, business acumen combined with the political uh, 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 expertise to be able to try and do that, and we'll, we'll, uh, but I appreciate everything you've done. Well,
1: well, thank you And I believe investing in Anaheim is a good idea. So
0: yes, and I think I, that was my final question was <laughs> so Orange County long-term Good investment.
1: Uh, it's a very solid investment And when you look at neighboring counties, you know that you do have a lot more understanding of business in Orange County than many of our neighbors and, you know, that's important if you're an investor or if you're a business person to be established here.
0: Yeah, no, I, I concur. So thanks again for Great. all your input. Best of luck to you and your family. and your kids and grandkids and uh we'll look forward to having you back on in the future and as we get closer to the elections and uh, see how that stuff
1: starts to play out very good thank you barry
0: for today uh i think that's all we got i am barry saywitz president of the saywitz company and i want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening in i want to thank our staff here at oc talk radio our producer sophia and everybody who helps put the show together uh, I'm barry saywitz we'll see you back here again next week on let's talk real estate You've been listening to Let's Talk Real Estate, your weekly BS with Barry Saywitz about the current state of the real commercial real estate market right here in Southern California. On Orange County's only community radio station, OC Talk Radio, streaming live from our studio here at the University of California, Irvine's Beal Applied Innovation Center.